Hello and welcome to episode number 248 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Not bad, not bad. We're almost there. We are indeed. We are fast approaching many milestones. Obviously, 250 is just around the corner. That's not important. And our return to the cinema is very imminent. Um, In fact, as of the time of recording, cinemas are open. So that's a plus because we're always worried about whether they were just going to not open. Um, Mm -hmm. As is the kind of the last year of our lives, things can be taken away in a matter of days. um, Because, yeah, I still won't you know, look forward to A Quiet Place Part 2 until I'm literally in the cinema watching it. Oh, I um, refuse to, like, acknowledge that it's a thing until I'm yeah. in the theatre. It's the uh, way to do it. Yeah, because it's it, we got too close last time. It cut too too close to the bone. Yeah, I said it, like, a month ago where I'm looking forward to it feeling normal. So, like, because mm. right now we are so scorned over the last year and it's like we, we all, we're all about the hype and yeah. we can't get hyped right now because we need to get quiet, for at least... Quiet Place, quiet place is the one because we had the hype, we had the tickets mm. purchased. I know we're a broken record on it, but it's like <laughs> once that that's kind of closure for me. Like, when I'm sat in the cinema watching Quiet Place, <laughs> I can move on with my life and get hyped about things again, I think yeah but until that point i i can't (laughs) yeah i just want to get through that initial wave and once we've seen like three or four movies and i'll get into a normal habit and i I feel like Candyman will be the next big one to kind of get hyped for so that'll be good um but yeah uh, we are discussing in fact the netflix movie this week Mm -hmm. um called the woman in the window which was a cinema release planned for last year but is one of the many movies that kind of streaming platforms have picked up in the last uh, 12 months and randomly Mm -hmm. they put it out just when cinemas reopened so that's good timing um (laughs) um, as well as army of the dead next week which i keep forgetting as a thing even though i'm very excited for it um (laughs) but yeah it's, it's, it's a good problem to have as we said in the last few weeks talking about our schedule there is actually movies coming out which we want to see which is great um for as much as i enjoy just talking about old wes craven movies every week uh the whole point yeah, of the show fun. is to talk about new stuff so yeah and i'm looking forward to it i really want to get back to it um which yeah we definitely will do the, later this year um but first the news as always and there's some interesting stuff in here this first news story look we're going to talk a lot about scream in the next year so <laughs> let's just get used to it um because this little tidbit um, comes via one Courtney Cox, um, who was interestingly I'm enough um, on the Drew Barrymore show, um, obviously reminiscent about the Scream days. And just an interesting quote here. Now, this quote is, I will say there's a lot of dot, dot, dots. So I'm assuming this kind of like, you know, in the middle of a conversation mm. and this is kind of like cut together. So it's, it's it reads a bit poorly. Um, it's very word soup, I think. But I'm just going to go go ahead and read it because there's some very interesting stuff in here. She's talking about the upcoming movie. Um, so, yeah, Courtney said, um, this is the fifth one. It's not Scream 5, though. This is Scream. The directors are incredible. They're making it absolutely. It's a new franchise. Um, She then continued to say, it's hip. It's scary. It's just a new scream. It's not a reboot. It's not a remake. It's just a brand new launch. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, So how people can you remember when we had the phase where people (laughs) couldn't admit they were doing a horror movie? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, it's kind of like a thriller with, like, lots of blood and killers. Well, you mean every but... every film for the last 40 years? <laughs> Correct. And, like, yeah, but, like, Jordan kind of, Jordan Peele made a big point to kind of say, yeah. like, no, I'm making a, I'm making a horror movie. Like, mm. like. Yeah, those people are sadly few and far between, but I know what you're true, saying. True, but it, but it kind of, it felt like the start of kind of, you know, this admission and kind of like these people that 
also make stuff in the genre and stay in the genre. You know, we've got Flanagan and Peel and um, Ariaster and that sort of thing that are sticking around and not just stepping stone in it, which we've always seen, you know, the, the Eli Roths of the world and stuff. And I think kind of um, this is another one where it's like, it's got to the point within horror now where you can't say remake or reboot because yeah. both of them are not liked and and so you, so you have to just be like what did she call it a rebirth or something or, or... yeah there's a few things she said um well she, she so she started by saying this is this is the fifth one but it's not scream five yeah which i think is interesting um and then she oh, yeah, says that's another thing i hope i hope these are the rules of a horror movie that they <laughs> they mention in in scream yeah so then she said it's a new franchise which i think is like a really weird way of saying it because like mm. you say she, so she then goes on to say it's not a reboot it's not a remake it's just a brand new launch um brand but new before launch. that when, when she says it's a new franchise like yeah. that to me speaks a lot about what yeah. might happen in this movie i think we both already speculated on the show that we have a suspicion that it wouldn't surprise me if all three of the classic characters get killed in this movie um yeah you know that's kind of been my suspicion that at least one would die in the opening scene yeah and then throughout the course of the movie by the time we get to the end of the movie that cast is is moved on is retired and then has the new class of screen going forward because ultimately Ooh. that's what this is all about in terms of the production companies they want franchises um they want sequels they want yeah. money um and think, they want I a new cast like, you look at scream 3 and what scream 3 did do you do you, um like i envisage that one of the main characters dies in the opening scene mm. um i imagine that there's kind of th- there could even be multiple killers or multiple, so we're seeing all three of our leads being chased at the same time Mm. and then uh, and they all die by different killers sort of thing maybe or just one of them does but mm. and like but we don't know who as the scene's playing out because obviously like if it opens and courtney cox is like in a building on her own and we're like well she, she's gone <laughs> gail's yeah. gone whereas like i i kind of think and i don't think the three of them would be together but i kind of see maybe the three of them being attacked at the same time and then two of them surviving that's or, what you're saying. that that's what that makes it more interesting doesn't it because yeah. then you're like okay because if you open the movie like saying that all yeah. three of them are being attacked you're like well one of them's gonna die but i don't know which one so yeah. that kind of does make it exciting and i just yeah. wanted to quickly say as well it reminds me of i can't remember what screen movie this was but there was an initial pitch i think it was the start of three where essentially it was going to start with um sydney being attacked and she yeah. was going to kill ghostface in the opening sequence it would be like a fight to the death she would win and kill kill and then it would be like that was like a crazed fan or something and obviously that wasn't like the main storyline but mm. i think something like that That's would cool. be awesome yeah, I think as it well was, i think it was scream three because i think the cotton stuff they decided because mm. obviously nev wasn't available for a chunk of scream three and yeah and, so she didn't come into much later into the film, and, and I think that's why they they did the work around with Cotton because he wasn't meant to die in the opening credits either. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I'm. I just at this point like accepted that you know we we can't continue what Scream was because we don't have the man in, in front of the behind the camera anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but I love Scream enough that that I I'm interested to see if it can you know come about and and everything they're saying you know keeps me interested and i've just learned with horror that if if it's not what we want the other movies still exist you know you you don't have to keep them all together in 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 this vault you know you can just like what you like within a franchise 100 percent. i think what's interesting about all of this with the kind of like the legacy and all of that is and i really want to see if this has been talked about but 
they keep talking about obviously Wes and kind of mm. like yeah speaking, there's another big piece of that yeah puzzle. speaking for him which obviously he can't do but there is like you say a man there's who is still with us <laughs> who is like equally as important to scream which is kevin mm. williamson and i haven't heard his take on this and mm. whether or not he was ever involved or even asked to be involved and i think that is like if he wasn't even remotely you know even talk to i'm like that's bad because like you're just pretending that he's not a part of this just because wes is gone that like scream is gone and that's not the case at all so i'm curious if that will because like i say we're going to see a lot of quotes in the next year we're going to see a lot of speculation you know long before we see trailers and i'm curious if that will be a headline that we talk about in the news is like here's kevin's take on this whole thing um yeah yeah we shall see um Hope, but, hopefully yeah. they can cut him a big enough check that he can say something positive about it. <laughs> I was going to say, is he going to get the James Cameron tr- treatment of like yeah. every time there's a new Terminator, they wheel him out and he's like, this is the best one yet. And then when it comes out, his dog shit, he's like, too. he's like, yeah, I didn't like it. They just paid me a lot of money because that's what <laughs> that's what old Jimmy boy's done three times Jimmy in a row C. now. Um, but, uh, he, he tricks me you, every time. You burned me thrice. So you won't <laughs> <give> me <again>. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next one. Um, next up is just a, a couple of little updates on some tv actually um so kind of one that we talked about in the news because there's so much tv horror tv Mm. in particular obviously coming this year we keep forgetting obviously stranger things we've talked about you know potentially even a black mirror but um the day of the dead show um is one that we've kind of talked about um coming Mm. to sci-fi obviously it's a, a, a 10 episode series based upon the classic movie um Obviously, it's being directed for the episodes by Stephen Koskansky, who obviously did um, Psycho Gorman, absolute legend, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And uh, basically, yeah, Variety are reporting that this is coming this fall. Um, so that's great news. So yet another TV show coming this year. Obviously, we, we heard that Chucky's coming this year as well. Um, and then kind of I put these two together because basically we've got an, another small update on American Horror Story. Um, obviously, last year was the first year we didn't have American Horror Story, which was crazy. Um, but they're obviously making up for it with two shows this year. And mm. obviously, so first up will be the spinoff show, um, American Horror Stories, which is their take on the anthology format, which gets me extremely excited. And uh, apparently that is coming in july um so pretty soon on that one and then um deadline are reporting that the 10th season of american horror story will premiere this fall as you'd expect um but what's interesting is they said the 10 episode season will conclude on halloween Mm. um so i presume that means the finale and i think that's really interesting because the first probably four to five seasons of American Horror Story, for people that don't mm. know, like the Halloween episode was always a big deal and it was always the best episode mostly and it was always the one I'd look forward to. But it was weird because yeah. it was always like the third or fourth episode. It was it always, always just like, like randomly in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. yeah. So like I like the idea of trying to conclude it with the with the finale. I think that's awesome. So yeah, I think that's a, another great touch. But yeah, I, I can't wait for all of these shows. Um, Definitely. Hopefully we'll hear it's... about more soon. It's um uh, with with the with the Day of the Dead. I was kind of, you know, a zombie TV show. Am I that mm. fussed about it? Like we've we've seen it a lot, but knowing that Stevens directing like four episodes, that, yeah. that instantly puts the hype levels much higher. That that I, I've probably gone from maybe not checking out this show to definitely checking out this show. Mm. And then obviously, yeah, American Horror Story goes without saying. Um, their their take on anthology though is weird because they're kind of they have their own take on anthology anyway each season is the anthology so it's strange but but yeah at this point american horror story has earned my view regardless 
Oh yeah, and I think that's a obviously like you say it is already kind of anthology, but that whole mm. the whole idea of just doing like a forty minute you know one off story like the like the creep show, I, I love that, and it's cool that they are saying that like mo- you know the legacy cast members are going to be involved in it in some mm. capacity. Like it's not going to be every week. It's yeah. you know Sarah Paulson and 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 you know Evan Peters, um, but like occasionally they'll pop up, and like that's cool as well because it's kind of like them to look out for. Um, but uh, yeah, the Day of the Dead show I'm really looking forward to because yeah, like when I think of Day of the Dead, I think of to, for me the, the my favorite practical effects in a zombie movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I think if you can kind of carry that, and especially with someone like Stephen, who's obviously just the the god yeah. at it right now. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, next up, I put this one in here, but I, I presume you probably didn't see this. There was the um, the first trailer um, for the Forever Purge came out in the past week. Um, right. So. I did. I did check this out. I did my kind of usual, like I watched the first minute of it, and it looks cool. It, it, you know, it looks like a purge movie. Um, you know, it's not kind of reinventing the wheel in that capacity. You know, a lot of creepy masks, a lot of uh, action on the streets. Um, what I will say about it is, it looked hella expensive. Like, <laughs> like the budget looked do though. Like, I, but this looked. I, I think based upon the trailer, I was like, they're going all out for this one because this looked massive in terms of the scale. Like, it felt like a almost like a fast and the furious nearly level you know what i mean of like just crazy explosions big action set pieces i was like man they're really going for this um so yeah it, it looked cool from the little i saw but like i said i didn't watch the whole thing because i don't do that with trailers but uh yeah i'm looking forward to it and like i say it's just around the corner it's cool that we're saying about a lot of these is like july and like july's really not that far away right now so um, no, i think that's the thing it's just it's crazy that these movies seem to be like these dates are going to happen yeah, hopefully, like you say, we're just going to ha- hopefully have a hands full for the rest of the year with film in the cinema and the Yay. TV as well, which is great. Um, next up, a, n- a nice little release date here, which has got me super excited because this is probably my most anticipated movie, um, which is The Northman. Obviously, uh, Robert Eggers' next movie um, has a release date now, um, courtesy of Deadline, which is April 8th next year. So really not that far away, less than a year away um from a brand new robert movie which i'm all in baby i cannot wait <laughs> um yeah i just can't wait to see the first trailer for this one and then and then yeah i'm I, i'm i'm so hyped it's cool because obviously we have all of the movies we're already excited for that we have been for a very very long time but then there's the kind of the wave of the next generation of movies that haven't been kind of like stuck stuck on the peripheral for the last year and this is definitely one of them yeah um, it's strange to be like excited about a movie that's not been like delayed in the cinema yeah. stuff. like i don't know I I don't really know how to yeah this is like the first release date ever given for this movie and they might hit it which is a wild (laughs) world to be in um but yeah that's awesome news and then lastly i chucked this one in here because this is just so bizarre and we had to talk about it on the show regarding some controversy um with with the cinemas and a certain movie called spiral um so this is very much to do with the uk Um, maybe not even just spiral (laughs) <laughs> no it, it, that's the thing really um because we talked a lot about cinemas we talked a lot about the kind of on-demand stuff in the last year and the impact it will have on film and horror film and this is scary and i don't i i want to put this out there because i want to hear more information because the the fact that the information is so scarce scarce on this is what scares me the most um so basically you know cinemas have reopened in the uk um this kind of view view odeon and i believe Cineworld has reopened i haven't actually checked um but i know the kind of the main two odeon and view are the, clearly the biggest two in the uk um with i say odeon are slightly bigger but they're both kind of neck and neck really um mm-hmm. 
but so Odeon have opened and they are not showing Spiral at any of their locations in the entire of the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it was bizarre to say the least, um, you know, not just for myself, but for kind of like movie fans around the country and their tweet saying about, hey, we, you know, our cinemas are open and it's this big celebration. It was everyone replying saying, why aren't you showing Spiral? And, you know, they're showing they're showing Godzilla versus Kong, which is on demand. They're showing Mortal Kombat, which is on demand. They're showing Peter Rabbit 2, which is on demand. They're showing old movies like Terminator. And it's and it's like they don't have the big new release right now, which is Spiral. Um, and the only form of communication from Odeon is on Twitter when when they have a stock kind of copy and paste reply to people. Um which says we are working with our partners in the hope of reaching an agreement to show spiral from the book of saw in our cinemas. And then they kind of forward you to the other movies that they're showing at the cinema. Um, so that's the news story. And it's bizarre because no one knows why mm. nobody knows what the hell's going on here. Um, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of people saying it was maybe that Odin cut, tried to cut a bad deal with Lionsgate in terms of ticket revenue. so they just pulled out. Um, my biggest concern and worry was, was that there was maybe some, form of exclusivity here um because that's something that has been talked about with films as cinemas return cinemas are going to want exclusive movies so maybe view signed an exclusive deal to show spiral um who knows but whatever is going on and i hope Mm. to find out more this is a dangerous dangerous precedent isn't it terrifying i think like there's the two sides of the coin is there exclusivity but i think so like view does seem to be touting on their website a lot of exclusivity so um exclusive post you know post credits interview exclusive behind the scenes and all of this stuff and and so they really do seem to be pushing for that um you know so i wonder if it's that or i wonder if it is that odian you know uh, clear, clearly the world has changed you know the, 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 there's no getting around it and and um the uh relationship and deals between movies and cinema has had its you know, a, a very troubled last 12 months Yeah. Um, with with major cinema companies saying they weren't going to show major distribute, distributors because of their on-demand agreements and all of this kind of stuff. And you just wonder if there is a back end that we're not seeing being publicized, push and pull over the uh, monetary value of these reels, you know, the, the percentage of ticket sales, what you know, whatever the remuneration is, that this the old agreements are no longer in place and new ones are being forged and our OD and holding out for a better deal did, or did you pay for exclusivity, you know, but whatever it is, it, it sucks for, for people that want to just see films in a cinema, you know, and um, for us, it sucks because we, we do like, you know, our local cinema is an Odeon. We do have a view, but our, our preference and the one we always go to is the Odeon. It's the, it's a cinema that we've watched, you know, every horror movie that we've done on this show that's not been at Fright Fest has been in that cinema. We, we've and, gone to the same Odeon for 20 years and yeah. we've never had a problem where a major release has not been at that Odeon. Correct. Not not once in 20 years. Correct. And so the fact that our return to the cinema after, a, a, you know, after this hiatus is going to be at The View um, sucks. Like it's it's first world problems, but it does suck. And, and, and the... The biggest problem is is that if View don't get the movies, then where do we go? Because if View and Odeon don't get them, we're we're screwed. Like you know, and it just starts to get, you know, it shouldn't. Cinema is in trouble over the last. You know, people are used to watching movies on demand now. 
people are there will be people that are happy watching disney movies through disney plus watching wonder woman how they did you know and to make the cinema even more confusing and difficult and a barrier of entry really isn't good um you know if you know you think normal joe public knows the cinema has reopened how many people are going to go to the odeon this weekend to want to go see spiral and are going to get a real nasty shock because they haven't gone ahead of time and planned things just to see a new movie because like i said you look at their current lineup and it is a joke for odeon mm. like yeah. you say that um raya and the last dragon is on there as well which again has been available on disney plus for mm. months and these are all months old movies that yeah. you can watch at home and odeon expect you to go yeah. out still in the midst of hopefully the tail end of but a pandemic where not everyone is vaccinated yet mm-hmm. and they go oh but do you want to see this movie and then like you say going forward you know like big movies like black widow that is going to be available at home for the first time ever day and day and you have to worry about the future of of cinema because like i say even if you don't give a shit about these specific movies if you want to go see spiral at the cinema or if you want to go see halloween kills in october at the cinema those cinemas might not even be there by that point um, Mm. because of because of decisions like this that we're talking about um so this is unbelievably serious and i don't understand why there isn't more being said about this i put the call out to twitter myself talking trying to find film journalists in the uk saying what is going on here why is no talking about this and if anyone has any sort of communication that you can forward to us obviously links in the description twitter email as to what is going on here like why are Odeon not showing a major release just why that's mm. all i want to know right now um and then we can speculate yeah. going forward the kind of repercussions but of that but i just want to know why the worry i have as well though is that the, the conjuring is advertised on views website mm. with an exclusive interview or something um conjuring is not advertised on odeon's website Mm. so we know we get to see quiet place at odeon but the chances are conjuring isn't at odeon either that's crazy man i can't even believe that's the case like if we have to go now week and week and we have to be like worried you know that was never a thought was like if the movie comes out in the uk our cinema our odeon will have it and now it's going to be a case of every week release date of conjuring it's a bit weird because, like, with the UK and the US, because they, I thought they were both twenty eighth of May, but then one of them might be the third of June, the week after. So it's kind yeah. of a bit, a bit up in yeah, the air. Yeah, well, there's nothing on either of those dates because we there is a week by week release schedule, and so yeah. obviously on Odeon we've got twenty eighth of May, uh, Quiet Place two. Yeah, um, but we don't we don't have any Conjuring. But they are yeah. showing Conjuring One. If you'd like, I to did see, see that, 1. yeah, which I thought gave give me hope because that'd be it, mental it, if like it, that's what they're showing instead. <laughs> it gave me hope, but then the fact that it's not on coming soon, like mm. it's just. I mean, obviously everything's a mess, but but viral yeah. is fact. Like we can we can kind of you know draw conclusions over Conjuring or whatever and these future releases, but the but the fact of the matter is is that UK cinemas are open right now, and and Spiral is not there for the Odeon. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, this has just been not the big return to cinema that I would have expected in the UK in terms of, like, yay, cinemas are open. You know, like, I've seen it for pubs reopening. I've seen it for crowds being in sports Mm -hmm. venues. There is an excitement to these things. I am seeing nothing but people pissed off and annoyed at the cinemas right now that they're not showing the movies they want to see, which is not You know, it's it's like if when you go to, like, a fireworks show and you get a sparkler, and you just kind of light it and you're like, well, that's a bit shit and I might just burn my hand. That's what mm-hmm. the cinema feels like right now when there's all these nice fireworks going on around us. 
Yeah, it's not it's not good, and it has me worried as someone who adores the cinema. It, it mm. really has me worried. But we uh, we'll obviously talk about it more next week when we uh, movies on my yeah. <laughs> obviously we'll talk about it more talking about going to the cinema, and I want to talk about some box office as well. But we'll save that all for next week because. Mm-hmm yeah it's just it's a bad bad times but yeah this week we do have a movie to talk about that we got to watch in our homes um which is the woman in the window So yeah, like we said before, this was going to be this kind of a big, a fairly big release last year. Mm. I remember seeing this uh, trailer at least a couple of times uh, yeah. early last year, um, and I loved the trailer. In fact, I should mention that up front. It was kind of like you, it's one of those ones where when you start when you read the kind of synopsis and it's a thriller, you're like, oh, okay, I don't know if this is going to be like our sort of thing um because thrillers can range from you know something like a gone girl to just all different types of movies you know mm-hmm. and they, they they can sometimes lean more into the drama um yeah seeing you've, this... you've got that or you've got like the girl on the train or something yeah exactly know, that, yeah that you know there's the real toss-up between the two yeah but but seeing the trailer i was like well i'm in because mm. the, the cast looks great and i really liked the, what they were going for with the trailer um and so yeah then this movie like many disappeared off the face of the earth <laughs> and i think it was i think it was earlier this year really where it kind of just happened like oh yeah netflix support uh bought it and they're sticking it out in may and i was like great well at least i'll get to see the movie at some point um and we have done it's now out on netflix mm-hmm. uh around the world and uh yeah what is this movie actually about um, yeah, so you kind of touched upon it at the start there that the, this movie has like a, a real crazy cast, um, mm. kind of Amy McAdams, um, Amy McAdams, Amy <laughs> Adams, um, uh, is, is our lead, Anna Fox, and then kind of supported by a whole host of people. Um, obviously every movie has to have Wyatt Russell in right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I swear that guy is just in everything. And oh, it just I makes me so happy. Complaints. I know. Yeah. Every time. I, I forgot he was in this because I, I remembered almost everyone <laughs> else. And the second his face popped up, I was so happy. Especially because, um, like, I'm like, oh yeah, I need, I need my white Russell with long hair and a beard. Otherwise, yeah. it's just not him. <laughs> true, true story. Um, but yeah, we we have like the likes of Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, because of course, you know, got to keep that Falcon and Winter Soldier thing going on. Um, yeah. Julianne Moore, you know, there, there's so many people in this movie, and. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of one of the big selling points. And yeah, kind of Amy, who plays Anna, is this um, uh, agoraphobic woman who's basically um, living in this it's like a townhouse isn't it basically new york townhouse um, yeah, it's weird it's it's like a, it's... well it, it, wikipedia says it's a manhattan brownstone apartment um sure, okay. it, it is weird because yeah i had this discussion when i was watching the movie because yeah. it's, my definition it, of an apartment is the friend's apartment <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> it, you know it's not that it's it looks like a big house but then it has yeah. kind of like a massive stairwell that runs through the middle of it that's yeah. like part of the house and then obviously you'll get to it but she has like a a, a person who lives in part of her house <laughs> but it's yeah, kind of like the downstairs area that's yeah, yeah, yeah you know it's not like it is an apartment where that hit that he is unconnected but but yeah um but yeah so she she's living in this apartment and um yeah for anyone that doesn't know agoraphobic is where you you basically are housebound and cannot leave your house yeah um and um uh you, yeah you're, you're completely housebound and um yeah basically can't even step outside 
and um we we're kind of unpacking that we we learn early on that that she kind of has got this therapist she is um kind of estranged from her husband she just kind of has has phone calls with him and then we kind of um meet the fact that she has this tenant uh Wyatt Russell uh, who plays David who basically lives in the basement um of of her uh apartment and and yeah she basically in with her condition she has become kind of obsessed with just like stalking her neighbors and becoming this kind of you know nosy neighbor where she is just um absorbing everyone around her's life um without them really knowing she's just spying on all her neighbors she knows everything about all of her neighbors but none of them really know her and um basically a new a new family kind of moves in and um she starts to spy on them and um i guess yeah in terms of the the plot side of it she she witnesses uh uh it's being described as a disturbing act through her window and then mm-hmm. it's kind of how does she uh go about this how does she kind of uh try to try to help initially but then also try to figure out what she actually saw and the truth of everything whilst it being confined confined to her apartment mm. Yeah, there's been a lot of different versions of this type of story. Mm. Obviously, the classic is Rear Window. And I think, you know, fairly recently, and it's a weird one because I don't know if most people like the movie or not, but Disturbia um, with Shia LaBeouf had the exact same situation where his setup was that he was like um, under house arrest. So he was like spying Mm. on his neighbors. Oh, you witness this dodgy neighbor and then you kind of investigate. So like I've always enjoyed that as a setup. And I think um, their take on it of an agoraphobic woman especially is like, oh, that's such an interesting dynamic. You're forgetting the the best one though um summer of 84 oh yeah that's kind of the same thing isn't it yeah they're more like out in the neighborhood yeah. i guess but yeah it, it, yeah for sure it is the same vibe and yeah, yeah i've always it's, loved it's that done, I, I like it as well yeah like you say disturbia was a recent one and i guess with with the agoraphobic thing as well it's a uh, uh, copycat mm. um did you ever see copycat is that the sigourney, sigourney weaver, one? weaver yeah i don't think i have no because i really like that movie um so and... is that about an agoraphobic person as well yes right yeah and and with with her she kind of is helping people helping the police track down a serial killer and then right. inevitably the serial killer kind of um you know figures out that she's onto them and and she is trapped in the home and, mm. and that, yeah so it's a real good one yeah, so it's already kind of like, you know, I was I was interested in this movie, but based mm. upon what you've just said, you know, that plot description and the trailer kind of mm. effectively sold that and seeing the cast of like, these are all people that I've enjoyed in many, many things. Mm-hmm. So I was very much into this movie. Um, and yeah, I think going into it, um, I really liked it. I, I would say so it's weird because I enjoyed this movie, but saying I enjoyed it is a weird way to describe it because it's a really sad movie really really sad i think the entire movie from top to bottom is a real gut punch and just a real sad movie you know even before we get into kind of like yeah everyone's pretty miserable yeah because we're we're introduced to amy adams character she's agoraphobic she's separated from her um husband and and doesn't get to see her kid um she's kind of like struggling a lot she's addicted to pills she's drinking every single day a lot um she's kind of like herself she's like a shrink um to to, for kids but then she herself yeah but then she herself has to have a shrink 
drink for her own uh, thing, so it's kind of affecting her work life as well. And just overall, she kind of Amy Amy Adams really portrays this character really well. I think yeah. in terms of like how sad and alone she is in this world. Yeah, I started to feel worried for Amy Adams. Like you know, <laughs> like is she okay? Yeah, it was just, it was so well done. And so I think the movie is just a sad movie. And I think mm. ultimately the, the whole thing is sad. And it, it's it's a thriller. It has its fair share of twists and turns and kind of like big pop moments and then also down moments. Um, but I think overall it worked of what it was trying to achieve, which was just this real sad character piece. And it's not like, obviously not remotely going into spoilers or anything, but like w- as soon as you start watching the movie, you're like, well, this isn't going to have a happy ending for anyone because it's, it's a sad story. You know, she's even if she su- is suddenly cured of her illness overnight, it's, it's not like her life's suddenly going to get tr- back on track. Um, mm. It's not like suddenly her husband is going to want to be with her anymore or, or this and that. And so I think once you kind of, have established in that world that okay this isn't going to be some like light thriller because a lot of thrillers can be light they can be kind of like mm-hmm. you know, like it's disturbing i think is a very light movie it's like oh yeah. here's shia labeouf he's 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 punking around oh he's gonna fancy his hot neighbor and then he's gonna solve some crimes and that's kind of how it goes and it's a fun movie but it's not deep at all on any level um whereas this is kind of like really deep into the character um and like I say, once she witnesses this crime across the street and it's her trying to affect the world around her and trying to mm-hmm. get people to believe her, it's just really sad. Like so many movies do this super well. Um, what was that movie we saw um, where it was all shot on a, on a phone, on an iPhone? That was like the woman that got trapped oh, in the mental Christ, asylum. Oh, yeah, the one that you loved. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it's called now. But no. there's, you know, lots of movies do that take of like, here's a person who nobody listens to. Every single character just does not listen to them. And that is such an awful place to be in. Um, And this movie just does that so effectively, I feel like, where she has seen something, she knows what she saw, but she has no way of proving it. (laughs) And so it's a case of like, right, let's talk to this character. Let's talk to that character. And it seems like everyone's lying to her face. And that frustration in that moment, I think the movie does such a good job of getting that across. And yeah there's a lot to love here but i think it all really does come down to that central performance because if i wasn't so invested in the lead character i don't think any of the movie would have worked and i think because i love the main character and i loved amy's performance then the whole movie kind of fell into place for me where the rest of the cast i thought were all brilliant um you know in particular obviously huge huge fans of wire and kind of seeing him and, and seeing him in this movie i thought was great i think it's interesting with gary oldman because like he is such a legend of acting and it is wild to see these types of actors in such tiny roles um yeah. because he's really not in the movie is he that much um no and he doesn't really get that much of an opportunity to flex really does he um yeah, same you just as get julianne couple. moore Mm, yeah exactly it was i liked her cameo shall we say in the movie you know it was really effective in getting across what she was trying to do but yeah it's she Mm. amy is the only one who gets like a bunch of screen time to really cheer into the character and then it's probably wyatt in terms of on-screen time so yeah i I was happy with that because i loved them both but it was kind of like oh i could have done with more gary and i could have done with more julianne but like yeah i I think we can get more into kind of what happens with the movie i I don't want to again say too much but what i will say and i don't think this is a spoiler but there is a twist in the movie um Mm -hmm. about an hour in and it i did not see it coming in the slightest and it completely hit me like a ton of bricks where i was just like jesus christ i 
did yeah. not think they were going to go in this direction. I did not think they could somehow make the movie even darker and even sadder than it already was, especially for our lead character. And when that happened, I was just like, God damn, th- this is so effective. Um, and I think that's what I wanted from from this thriller was I wanted to be invested in the characters. I wanted to go on the thrill ride. I think as you move towards the finale and they want to throw twists and turns at you and make it a bit more exciting, there might be some kind of jumps in logic and in plot that maybe if you really went over it, it wouldn't make perfect sense. But like, I was so invested in the character that I was along for the ride at that point, And I really enjoyed the kind of action set pieces in the finale. I thought it was way more involved than I was expecting for such like a limited movie that is, you know, mostly set in one location. They really go all out for the finale and really shot me for some moments um so yeah overall thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this movie yeah i think um for me i i definitely i'd like this movie but i definitely didn't love this movie i think um it it has a lot of of amy doing her stuff being really good but without a lot going on and about her kind of you know just just like you say it's it's kind of depressing because mm. it just sucks and i think i think it just goes back to kind of a lot of the things i've said recently where i just don't really gravitate towards these movies that are just depressing right now and like mm. i say that's not i'm not i'm not kind of ragging on it for being that but i think it is difficult when they're like that and especially when it's kind of you know reasonably long and and you know you are the the scene is set up kind of in the trailer, in the opening part of the movie, she witnesses this act, and then it's kind of her unraveling, and kind of, it, like you say, early on, you realise that she's already messed up, and we need to, we, we're just going to see her unravel more. And I think um, when I was kind of when I was out of this movie, I realised that for me, a lot of the other characters, a lot of actors and actresses that I was excited to see, really just didn't get chance to to show their chops. I, I don't really like Julianne Moore's character. It was a short, it was a short cameo, but I don't, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, get blown away by it. I didn't feel like, you know, she had any, any kind of giant moments. And I think kind of Gary Oldman, the same. And I kind of, I came out of this movie thinking, like I say, I, I enjoyed it. I liked the, the, um, finale that the, the twist that you spoke about really did, you know, punch you in the teeth. Um, but, I just kind of found chunks of it, you know, a little bit more of a long, you know, uh, long drawn out and more than what they needed to be kind of when, when the police showed up for like the third time, not believing her. And you had like the, the good cop, bad cop thing that, that was just getting more and more kind of, um, you know, overdone. And, and to the point that I was almost, uh, I, I almost thought like, is this all like fabrication because they were almost too much of a parody where, where I was kind of like, you know, how much is in her head and how much of this is whatever. And and that sort of thing, Um, which might've been what the movie was trying to get me to do. But, but then ultimately that, you know, it wasn't the case and it was just like, Oh no, these are just kind of weird cop dynamic. Um, And, and a couple of points when we did get some action, there was some kind of, there was some real good action in this movie in the final parts. Like you say, it kind of went more than I thought it would for a movie that's very slow paced and has no real action. Even the kind of quote unquote disturbing act that she witnesses isn't this kind of mm. graphic drawn out scene. It's a very subdued scene, which, which 
it needed to be. I think it, I think it kind of added to the, the the mystery and intrigue. But but the point is, is that it wasn't flashy and over the top. So by the time we got to a finale, I wasn't expecting it to go to to kind of ten like it did. Oh, I really um, so I, I definitely enjoyed that part. But there were some weird kind of um, visual effect choices throughout this movie that that took me out of it at times, where they kind of um, put in visual effects that didn't kind of match and didn't didn't look as good and i didn't i didn't like that part as much i can't i can't really pinpoint him now and and the problem is as well anything that i do say would be massive spoilery because they're in kind of the the either the the twist or the finale but but some of them just didn't quite work for me like i said i i definitely didn't hate this movie i'm focusing on the negatives more probably because you've spoke about most of the positives that i agree with Mm. but um but ultimately, yeah, for me, this was in the good, but but not great category. You know, I, I enjoyed my watch and my time with it. But when I came out of it, I was like, you know, yeah, it, it's fine. But yeah, I'm ready for the cinema now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too far away from that. Like, I'm definitely more positive and I would definitely put myself in the great, but I'm not like mm. in the top end of it. I'm yeah. like, I could totally see where this is good. And what I will say is I do completely agree with you with the visual effects thing, because, yeah, there are, there are some weird choices and it's just unnecessary. Like the movie didn't need that. And it was almost yeah. like uh, <laughs> this movie felt um, like too expensive. Yeah. Like it didn't need to have the budget it did, where it was like, yeah, oh, it felt like has... oh, we've got a twenty million pound special effects budget. Let's yeah. just add some CG rain. And, all, know, and also, like, has, has these minuscule characters? Why not get Gary Oldman and Anthony Mackie when <laughs> yeah. anyone else could do it? Um, and even Jennifer <laughs> Jason Lee, crazy. like, like Jennifer Jason yeah. Lee is like a relatively big name, and she's like barely says a word in this movie. And and it's like these actors don't need to be in this. <laughs> I don't no. know why they're in it because ultimately this is like a free character piece, pretty much. And I enjoyed yeah. all those characters so so much that it didn't need these giant names. But um, I think that is the case of like this was a 20th century studios production last year and i yeah i just think they pumped so much money into this and then they panicked during the pandemic and thought screw it we're just going to take whatever we can and so that's why they kind of sold it you know quickly to netflix um yeah it seems like a lot of bad choices were made with this movie but it still turned out like good because obviously like the distribution isn't going to change the quality of the movie but like they really kind of waited as long as they needed to and then panicked and shat the bed like the fact that this movie is coming out on Netflix the week cinemas reopen. Like, why is this not in the cinema? The week yeah. cinemas reopen. You know, it's just kind of like the, a lot of bad choices were made there. And, and yeah, I think with the budget, you know, this movie, yeah, this movie is four times more expensive than it needs to be. This definitely had a weird production as well, because this was shot in 2018. And then it was very much like a lot of those when it was 20th Century Fox and they got bought out. And like, I remember when New Mutants was getting a new release date every other week. It was it was in that mix of the shuffle of like, right, what does Disney do with all these pieces of the puzzle that they've now acquired? when there's only a few things they actually wanted. They've got all these movies that they don't want. Exactly. Kind of they might as well make money off them exactly and this this, yeah 100 percent. and so it was like that like, whole oh, part no, we, is weird. we don't want wyatt to be introduced to the disney family with this we need him <laughs> we need him in we need him to be introduced in the mcu so exactly uh, this, so this has to go after it yeah yeah <laughs> it is weird i think one of the other things that was bizarre about this movie and i do think it worked overall but it doesn't it doesn't make for an enjoyable watch which is a really erratic editing style in conversations where like when Anna is talking to people and especially there's like this young uh, kid character that she talks to quite a bit who's the neighbor's kid 
like they're talking over each other a lot and they kind of cut off each other's sentences and it's purely in the editing and and it's very erratic and they're kind of a lot of she's very screamy as well like um you know Anna screams a lot in the movie and especially her conversation when when she has a sit down conversation with Julianne Moore mm. their back and forth is very similar of like they're both this two very erratic characters who are kind of talking over each other and the drinks flowing and it's all just a bit chaotic and it's again clearly the style they're going for because kind of everything that happens in this house is from anna's point of view and she is like the classic untrustworthy narrator and i think that's clearly what they're going for when you see the crime get committed because you're like well i didn't really see it she thinks she saw it i don't know what happened and it all like i say all goes in with the mystery of the thriller and i think ultimately it does work but in the moment there are times when it stopped being as enjoyable to watch because i was like i wish this conversation just flowed like any other conversation in a movie and wasn't this weird erratic mess the, the um, movie also i think does a poor job of opening um and actually telling you what's going on mm. because you don't really know that anna's an agoraphobic until kind of quite a way into this movie pretty much until she has a sit down with julianne moore yeah like, you know we know that she's troubled we know that she has a psycho uh, a psychiatrist come to her house but we don't really see that like she's not leaving the house and that she has this fear and i think kind of you know because the movie is is playing certain cards close to its chest it doesn't reveal to you actual plot points that you should know at the start of the movie you mm. know I, I i watched this movie knowing that because i knew the rough premise and i and i felt kind of yeah like i said i felt kind of you know probably about 20 minutes in thinking or maybe not that far but you know 10 or 15 where i'm like we don't actually know that she has this condition yet which is kind of one of the selling points of the movie and, and they kind of just assume that you you know that going in but a movie should never do that. Like a movie should assume that I do what I do most weeks and go in blind. It just so happens this week I didn't, but like, I'm glad I didn't because I, I think did. I would have been quite confused. I did notice that specifically in one scene, which was the first scene with Wyatt Russell, because mm. he pops up and I, I think I was just like, oh, that's, that's funny. That's yeah. Wyatt. And then it's like a short two minute scene and then it stopped. And I went, wait, I'm going to have to rewatch that because I have no idea what just happened. I was like, who the hell is he? Why is he in a house? What's going on? And I I rewatched that scene again where I was like, oh, he's just like a friend who lives downstairs who's taken out her rubbish and now he's going away for a week. Like, well, it, it was, was really weird. confusing because it, I was confused by that scene because initially I thought he was her landlord. And yeah, that's what I thought as well, yeah. And he was yeah. like, oh, is everything okay? I'm heading out. I just wanted to make sure and I'll take your bins out while I go. You know, any problems with maintenance, give me a call. And then I was like, no, hang on, that's not what he was saying. But for some reason, that was what I thought he was. And then I suddenly listened to it again. I'm like, oh, is he like, is she the landlord? And then I was like, where does he live? And then and then eventually I figured out that like he was in the basement. Because obviously as well, like, and, you know, they don't, the movie doesn't need to explain to me the the, the architecture of American houses. But like, I was confused because obviously... He is ground level, but it's classed as the basement. So he has an entrance to his self-contained basement that is ground level. And then there's kind of steps that goes up to her front door. And like, it was just a bit kind of odd for me as a person that doesn't really know that to, to think what this kind of, because, you know, she, she's confined to this building. So the the, the landscape and, and the layout and the floor plan of this building is extremely important for the movie because this is, this is the plot device. This is where she is. And it took, it took me a while to figure out what the lay of the land was of the building. And even, even by the end, I wasn't fully certain. 
like you know and, and i think that 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 was a weakness as well yeah for sure but i, I do want to go back to the positives because i think yeah definitely mm. the movie has its problems as we've discussed but i think it's its strongest points are i think the writing is very strong like i like I say was invested in this character and like early on i think because of the performance but then as we learned more about the backstory mm. and especially post twist i was but i could not have been more invested and i i like I say i didn't see the twist coming so i have to give that props because mm. plenty of movies try and do moments like that that just completely uh, fall short and so i think the fact that they went for it for me it was a complete home run didn't see it coming and the way it pr- uh, was portrayed on screen was super effective and then i was like oh, okay we actually have justification for why she's agoraphobic which i just didn't expect i just yeah. thought it would just be she's agoraphobic go and that was enough for me but to actually have um justification was brilliant and then also what the main crux of the whole film is which is this horrific crime you think has happened and what the hell is going on i was super invested in that i really wanted to know what was going on with this family what was going on with gary oldman why was everyone being super weird and then like once they start throwing these little pieces like um when she goes downstairs and she sees the airing in david's place and then she sees that he's kind of like got this letter i was like oh man this is really cool and it did start to get that whole like everybody's a suspect and outside of amy i really didn't trust anyone you know like including the police no, I, thought, so I, I thought think, it was all bollocks like I, I i was like i don't trust any of these God exactly and, and i love that feeling where because then you're in you're in her shoes you know you're mm. just like well the whole world's out to get me but i'm only myself and i'm completely um defenseless because i have this condition which means that i'm just stuck in this one location and then like later on there were some really creepy moments like when she gets the email sent to her i was like oh that's fantastic because this is getting to like a more sinister level now that i really wasn't expecting it to go and i I think that was the precursor to what then happens in the finale which is super sinister and dark and just really worked for me um i think the actual right ending like the final moments this this was a movie that didn't really know how it was going to end because (laughs) um like i said before the movie's just sad it is a really sad movie and so like once she what once you know the movie has its natural conclusion um and you kind of find out all the mysteries i was i was content with the movie just ending because i knew that like it wasn't going to be a happy ending for anyone and i feel like the movie tried its absolute hardest to at least give the audience some sort of positivity towards the end which i didn't need but i i'm i I was thankful for it but like had the movie ended five minutes earlier i'd have felt the exact same way about it which was i thought it was a great great movie um i could just tell like going in like once i got to the twist especially i was like well there's no way this movie you can can kind of tell that that might have got in front of some screeners now like we need something we need (laughs) a bone 100 percent. you're absolutely right with that (laughs) but um I think for me, like my, my biggest positives was Amy and her performance, hundred percent, yeah, and that lead character because and Wyatt as well. Her, yeah, yeah, he's he's just awesome, and he like I don't I don't even know whether I can judge his character and performance in it because I just kind <laughs> of just want him in most movies right now. Yeah, um, I just need to watch Overlord again. Hundred um, percent, yeah, I need to do that. But um, but I think kind of beyond beyond that part, um, with um with with her character it 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 kind of got to the point that i i wanted her to be kind of um an instrumental figure that i could pull behind because at times because they show the the pills and the alcohol i i got to the point where i'm like is she the one that's crazy hmm. like and and most of these movies you kind of know that the person you're seeing the lens through it is 
with it and, and that she just needs to figure out get everyone else to figure out on her side but i spent most of the movie thinking i don't know whether she's just you know kind of batshit like and and i think again that was what it was trying to do and trying to achieve and it did that but but for me personally i kind of wanted like her to be like you know more you know do you know what i'm trying to say more more kind of um fixed in in her opinion and and that, that it couldn't just all be in her head in this fabrication because it got to the point that i was questioning like were people you know were the cops cops were 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 these neighbors even neighbors or or is she just getting confused by everything and and it was just kind of like um i wanted it to be a little bit more grounded there and i think kind of when the email came through that helped for me because mm. at that point that was um proof and, and again like i know that's what her character was striving for kind of this um it was her proof that she wasn't insane as well but i think kind of you know it, it achieved it but it did mean that for me i couldn't fully get behind her because part of me was thinking is she the problem um and and yeah i i would have liked to have that a bit sooner See, for me, it was up until the twist, because from that point, like before that, it was very wishy-washy. There was a lot of stuff that was left up to interpretation, especially with her backstory of her family. And I was kind of like, okay, I don't trust you as a narrator at this point. As soon as we got the twist in those reveals, I believed everything from that point on, because I felt like as a viewer, I was like, okay, that's the part of the story that they were clearly keeping from me. And now they've told me what actually happened. I now believe everything going forward, and I believe everything else is happening so i didn't through, have it as bad out to me like, oh, really? it happened i was like well if this is if this is fact then <laughs> what else don't i know yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't know maybe i was just thinking it more in like a movies don't work that way because yeah normally it's like okay here's the big reveal that we've been keeping yeah. from you now enjoy the rest think, of the I movie think as well like it's it's kind of difficult because i don't really want people going into this movie looking for a twist because no. this movie isn't it's not it's not sore it's not it's not one of these things where you're like oh they gave me breadcrumbs and it would crumbs and mm. it would have been cool to figure it out it's like no this movie just very it 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 peels itself away um when it wants to and reveals when it wants to and so it, it is a twist because you you're not expecting it and you didn't see it coming in that convention but it's not like you know seven or whatever do you know what i mean um you know sixth sense you know it's it's not that twist where mm. you then re-watch the movie and you're like oh bruce willis my god like no that's not that's not what this this is it's just more of it it, it play it shows its card when it's ready mm. and so i i don't think you should watch this movie trying to figure out a twist or anything you, you kind of want to put that in the back of your mind and just um you know wait for it to come a hundred percent. I completely agree with that. The, the only other thing I wanted to add about this character that I really enjoyed was the kind of normally in a movie like this, they would there would be so many cop outs and they would go back on what they've fully committed to. And I think there's a moment in the movie where it gets super dark when she really has just run out of options. And like at that point in the movie, she only has one option left, which is like the darkest thing she could possibly do. And mm. I loved that the movie went there because that was so realistic to the story that they told where it was just like, I have nothing now. Like no one believes me. I am completely screwed. Um, and I loved that they went there because 
you know, a classic example is like Promising Young Woman earlier this year, where oh. you, you have the whole movie leading up to something. And then, oh, isn't it just hilariously convenient that this mobile phone that now ties the entire movie together is just presented to me in the final act? And it's 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 first of all, this is just a be on my body, but it's hilarious that that won an Oscar for writing because I just can't. <laughs> that could not be more hilarious to me. It's like the worst piece of writing I've seen in a movie this year and won an Oscar for it. But that's a whole other story. Um, but this it's, movie it's actually greatest, committed to it's it. It's the greatest scenario of a MacGuffin I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the baby, that's where, why. Where, yeah. That's why, because it is like, basically now in, in film school, they can describe a MacGuffin and be like, that's this true. is how you win an Oscar. Yeah. You, you have two ends of a story and then you just, you just shove something in the middle that connects yeah, it together be like, so it's hey if you if you ever write if you ever write yourself into a corner this is the yeah, perfect way out yeah. just fabricate something out of thin air um yeah, just, just but no <laughs> this movie didn't do that it stayed fully committed to the character they created and they went through with it and that's that's what i really really loved about it so yeah i think overall i thoroughly enjoyed the movie i think it's a great movie it definitely has its problems i think it's a super sad movie um i think what, another thing i wanted to mention was this, it does remind me of the devil all the time the other netflix movie mm-hmm. which we had kind of similar thoughts on i think it was more extreme um which was like yeah that was a a tough watch you know very different to this movie of course but kind of like a lot of unredeemable characters that you kind of know that there's going to be no happy ending and you're just like seeing them exist Mm. and this is definitely a more um mainstream take on that because like you say this does have this does have kind of classic villains and heroes and and ultimately things that get overcome and it does try and leave you with some sense of happiness towards the end but Mm. those were the mood those were the parts that i kind of didn't latch on to it was more the darker parts and the more just like right here's this character who's a real you know um we've talked about these kind of like lonely character studies like similar with saint maud and joker of like they just fully commit to here's the character and here's the life they're living and it might not be an enjoyable watch it might not be a happy watch but this is just the character and that's the part about this movie that i really loved was i felt like they fully committed to that character and obviously the actress made it fully come alive for me and that was why i just loved amy's performance in it definitely um so yeah as far as recommendations go yeah i would fully recommend it if you if you like thrillers that this is one of my favorite ones i've watched in terms of like it got me fully invested in the character and it had fun twists and turns and ultimately left me satisfied are there more kind of like light thrillers that you might have a, a more fun time with absolutely but that's not kind of like i can't rag on this movie for that because that's totally not the intention of this movie it was supposed to be like a deep look at a deep character and so that's why i enjoyed it what, what would be your recommendation yeah, I definitely think you should check this one out. I think for me, it's one which will, it you know, like I say, I, I probably sound quite negative on it. I think in terms of where I'm at with it, I think like like I said, I think it's a good movie. I think, you know, when when we you know when we start to shortlist kind of year end stuff, I think this will be one that kind of will, will like pop up in my mind. Where I'm like, oh yeah, that was that was good, but then ultimately won't make a list. And I think that's that's where I'm at with it. And I think kind of. Um, you know, but but it's still good. It's still very much worth a watch, and definitely as well because again, I'm not I'm not super into kind of thr- you know more of a conventional thriller and that side of things. And if you are a thriller person, then I think you will be into this more. Um, and so yeah, I think it's definitely worth a watch. I respect your commitment to the to, to, to the end of year stuff because after oh, yeah. the past, after the past year, I can't even think in those terms anymore. That was how I felt for the first four years, was I was always thinking about kind of like the overall oh, the, picture. The, the, the top ten I can't. 
Like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. Like, I just want to, each week, I'm like, I just hope I enjoy this movie. And so that was why, like, the last two weeks, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I, I enjoyed these movies. And that's that's a win for me. And then at some point, I'd be like, right, was there 10 movies that I enjoyed? I sure hope so. <laughs> right, um, we've got PG, it's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we will always have PG. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion of The Woman in the Window. Uh, we will take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, just to sort of finish us off this week, um, I did watch another movie in the past week, um, which I wanted to briefly mention, because yeah, I did, I think I mentioned it last week, actually, checking out that whole um, In Search of Darkness, part two, and uh, a certain movie that stuck out to me um, was Dressed to Kill from 1980, um, which I did then pick up the uh, Arrow Blu-ray, and I was very excited to sit down and watch it. Um, I I enjoyed this movie. I I would say it's a a good movie with really great moments. Um, I think the sum of it's all parts, it's not a great movie, but there was Mm -hmm. so many cool moments um, that I really take with me. And so, like, I'm really glad I watched it. I think it's a fascinating movie that like say i had literally never heard of prior to seeing the um the, the in search of darkness part two and you know it's it's a brian de palma movie it's got michael Caine in it like it's it seems like a fairly big deal but I, it seems to have really gone on the radar i'm sure loads of people have heard of it but i t- certainly hadn't um but yeah really cool idea i think it's um a, a really fascinating movie because kind of de palma his entire career has been like people constantly say he's just aping hitchcock and just copying yeah. hitchcock and it's a fascinating conversation in terms of like what is the difference between like a homage or just blatantly ripping something off and it's he's a fascinating case for that because especially when you watch this movie where it is so similar to psycho like the it has the exact same story beats the overall kind of plot and arc is very similar to psycho you know all down to like the lead character is kind of like unceremoniously killed off in the first half of the movie it has like prominent shower scenes it has a cross-dressing killer like it's it is almost like a quasi remake of psycho um in so many different ways and I think that's a fascinating part of it because I think he gets a lot of shit for that. And it's it's funny because he does kind of briefly talk about it on one of the uh, extras. And like he always says, you know, like, well, I was always more, the most influenced by Hitchcock than anyone else because to me he was the best of all time. And so, of course, I'm going to be influenced by his work. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a real interesting one. I think the um, the Arrow Blu-ray itself is real nice. Like the, the restoration's good. It's not anything spectacular, but it's certainly not anything bad either. Um, but the actual contents is really good. Like I say, there's, a, there's like a 40-minute making of with everyone one i think it was about 20 years ago i'd say it looked like it was around 2000 where it's like the director the cast and everyone talking about it and then there was two different sit-down interviews with the two female leads as well talking about the movie um probably the only thing disappointing is that michael kane doesn't feature in any of the special features um (laughs) you know much like a lot of these actors you see yeah like he's such a huge name that of course he doesn't want to talk about this weird horror movie where he played a cross-dressing killer um (laughs) but like yeah it was it was a good time um there's like a another there's a comparison feature which i always love as well showing the difference between like the r-rated initially the oh, unrated cool. which is what this version is and then like the tv rated version and it's, right. it's so funny back in the day isn't it how much these movies just butchered for tv because yeah. you look at it and it's like it's not even remotely the same movie there's like no yeah. violence or nudity well, or anything the, the, the biggest one is robocop because i remember watching that as a mm. kid 
and and yeah, I've always <laughs> I've always thought it was like you know kind of so like. Did I. A, if you'd have said to me before I watched that Arrow Blu-ray, I'd have been like, mm. "Oh yeah, it's like a tamer version of Terminator." Yeah, <laughs> that's like, what most people think. Yeah, I'm like, "Oh no, it's like Terminator dialed up to 10. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like obviously I watch the TV version constantly. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm quite. I, that was definitely one when I watched a documentary that I was interested in, and, and I'm still interested in definitely trying to check it out at some point. Yeah, you should um, see it. I think I think it's a good watch, and I think it it very much reminded me of Carrie in a lot of moments with the mm. kind of when you think about that prom scene, you think about how meticulously mm. planned it is, and you think like, okay, clearly he storyboarded like every single car. Mm. And there's there's about three or four scenes in this movie, and they talk about it in the in the nice. making up, which I love. But I presumed it anyway. Of like, they get all the actors are like, yeah, that was terrible to shoot because they're mm. like, he he wants it from every different angle, every different pickup, and he has it all mapped out, and it's all before when he's written the script. He knows knows like all the exact cuts he's going to make and it's just he has such a fascinating mind as a director um and yeah in those two moments like uh the, in particular the elevator scene like if people want to look that up if they're not going to see the movie the elevator scene in particular in this movie is fantastic it's mm. so well executed and yeah very reminiscent of carries so, yeah overall very much enjoyed it not like one of my favorite 80 movies it's not like when i watched um american werewolf recently but i still yeah. very much enjoyed it i'm glad i checked it out and yeah. i'm glad it was a an arrow one as well because you can't uh it's the best way to watch these old movies isn't it when you watch an hour restoration so yeah did enjoy it um have you seen anything in the past week um i i watched a little uh uh lesser known horror movie as well (laughs) um um, i don't know if you've heard of it it's called shawn of the dead sure shawn of the dead do you not mean dawn of the dead no i mean shawn of the dead yeah no it's like this parody of uh dawn of the dead yeah it's quite mm. it's quite interesting it's a very movie. like parodies it sounds a bit shit <laughs> <laughs> um i basically um i'll tell you the story what happened you hear a couple of queen songs mm. and what do you think you think sean of the dead yeah uh and and so yeah i heard don't stop me now and sean of the dead got stuck into my head and i had to watch it and luckily mm. enough it's on netflix and I, I checked it out and then obviously i had to then go in search of the features uh, oh, to watch so the, the the rest of the features because the best the, the best special features probably ever, especially on a DVD. I think as well the best gag reel of mm. all gag reels because gag reels are one of these things that I always <laughs> watch. If if there's a gag reel on a on a on a Blu-ray or a DVD, I will watch it. Yeah. nine times out of ten, they're pretty shit. Yeah, 100%. like they're pretty much just people being like, "Oh, I said something wrong," ha ha ha, or mm. "I dropped the phone." That's funny. And like they're really not good, but but this is why I love gag reels because this one is just phenomenal. This um, is the only one where like we legit quote the gag reel, not the movie. Oh my god! Like, like there's somewhere we can live. Like I I still <laughs> quote that to this day, and that's because of one random take that's not even in the movie. <laughs> I know, and and every time I'm genuinely surprised it's not in the movie because it's yeah. that well known to me. Because <laughs> I'd imagine like everyone listening to us right now is like, what the fuck are they talking well, about? If you but honestly, the era of like just, having just, that on the dead DVD, look, I think everyone watched it a lot. It was look, so good. look up the the gag reel, but then as well, there's like the feature of like what happened to the other characters yeah which are all so really good. good and well narrated but this movie's just just so gold like mm. the, the thing is as well like it just made me realize like how um Edgar Wright just gets it mm. and like and like really just got everything to do with um the genre the, the parodies the kind of you know the the every gag and just just the 
the the you know the fact that he got comedy and the horror so well because like the 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 whole kind of there's red on you gag just mm. it's just just so brilliant that it's throughout the whole movie and just kind of like so many of these things that that are, have callbacks so much later on in the film just work so well and th- there are so many parts of the movie that just you just wouldn't be able to get it made today as well like it just i think kind of some of this kind of um you know the uh rightly so kind of the spotlights that get put on things but but it's also taken away like i I honestly don't think shawn of the dead gets made now um and and i you know uh i'm just i'm just glad it did get made because it's you know it's it's not trying to offend it's just trying to be funny and and like you know i i think kind of going off topic but i think you know i've heard like ricky gervais say it like if you're if you're just trying to comedy should be for everything and 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 the whole point is it's inclusive and like you know that's what this movie does it's just it's just trying to have a laugh and and it does and it's hilarious and yeah i love it they like those two first movies i think they were firing Mm. on all cylinders in a way comedically which has never been replicated for me personally no in terms of on yeah in terms of on on film i have never enjoyed they are my two all-time favorite comedies like the only thing that comes close to me is like early jim carrey in terms of like Mm. what i find as funny as Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz and i think those movies overall are just so perfectly crafted like the hot fuzz is my favorite because i think it's such an original idea and like say Shaun of the dead is more parody but it's it's so hard to do a good parody and it's so hard to do a good zombie comedy and they still effectively do that so yeah they're both they're both just literally perfect movies both mm-hmm. those two movies um yeah i always every time i watch one i always watch the other because i'm always just in such yeah, a great yeah. mood hot fuzz is on netflix and i that, that oh, will be it's watched. so good like yeah because yeah, it, it needs to be because they're just they're both so brilliant i think i think for me i i would edge Shaun of the dead just because mm. of my love of like of what it did you know that the parody in a movie that i love so much it's kind of like what was so powerful about scary movie is it like these two movies are parodying something that I love so much? Yeah. And normally I'd hate that and take. Yeah, I'd be like, screw you, don't, don't, <laughs> don't take the mick out of Dawn of the Dead. But you can tell there's love, and in particular, Shaun of the, the Dead. It adds to the love of it, doesn't it? Well, in particular, with Shaun of the Dead, there's mm. not, there's not a second in that movie where I thought to myself, the person who made this is is trying to be like, oh, look at you lot, like in Dawn of the Dead. No, this guy fucking loves Dawn of the Dead. Mm. Like he loves it so much that he can see the side of it and make the the jokes work. Um, and yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a second that I ever doubt that Edgar Wright is a huge Dawn of the Dead fan, and I think that's why it works and and, it, and it's so good. Yeah, and I don't think anyone did. Like it was when no. when, when Shaun of the Dead came out, it was the best zombie movie since Day letter. of the Dead. Yeah. And you know, then there's a reason why um, Shaun and Edgar appear as zombie extras in Land of the Dead because, mm-hmm. more importantly, more than anything, George Romero got that as well. So he mm-hmm. knew that it was a love letter to his work. But yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, we, we did talk a little bit about the, that old uh, Resident Evil last week. Um, oh yeah, so we may as well talk a little bit about it now because I'm presuming that I you remember. finished it at this point. Um, no, I played it. I'm playing it because <laughs> I'm currently on my fourth playthrough. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! But uh, yeah, what did you make of it? It's a good game, isn't it? It's um yeah, it's it's so good. I think um like I like I said, my my thoughts haven't really changed on last week. That the, no. the game gets what resident evil needs to be when i didn't know what resident evil needs to be and it's mm. kind of like i said for me and and i think what it's done so well what we said last week you, you 
kind of identify Resident Evil differently to me, mm. but it but it catered to both of us. Yeah, and and that's what worked. You know, having the little inventory management and the kind of you know just seeing a typewriter and having that map management and kind of. Um, but again, to what you touched on, the way that they've evolved that map, so the map is interactive, and like I literally every room I walk into. I have a little look around the room, then I look on the map. Is I'm the like, map fuck. blue yet? Yeah. Is the map I'm blue like, yet? Yeah. I'm like, fuck, the map's not blue. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, it got to the point where I'm like, I'm in this, like, you know, I don't know, corridor. And mm. I'm like, there's clearly some, like, gem. There's a jewel hanging somewhere. Yeah. And I'm like, I've there, there was one where I was in a courtyard, and I'm like, it's this shitty dark courtyard. And I've been in there for, like, 20 minutes. And I'm like, I should just play the game. Mm. Like, I don't need any more ammo. I don't need any more money. But I'm like, I need the blue. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm there and I eventually find it. But, like, that's that's the beauty of Resident Evil for me. Like, that exploration and completion. And, mm. um, and then, yeah, the fact that, like, I don't really want to... I'm not going to go into, like, full spoilers. But the fact that kind of the end of the game kind of really does um, kind of give you a really good story beat and a really good continuation of the last game and kind of um and again like the the kind of um you know trying to trying to skirt around spoilers but the, the kind of text on the screen at the very end of the game kind of hit me mm-hmm. and then kind of hit like hit me emotionally but then also hit me like damn i want to see i want to see what's going next yeah you know and i'm i you know i want to i want to see that part and i think kind of like it's it's built this new franchise with new and old characters and kind of a new mindset where it's like, yeah, I don't, um, you know, uh, the, the whole kind of werewolf thing and these different animals and mon- monsters and these kind of the, the tall lady that, that's kind of vampire and all of this stuff. I'm like, I don't really care. Like, as long as they're cool, like the we had like a mech boss fight in this and it was cool and it worked. Yeah, and I think, and I think that's... that's what's unbelievable about this game is that that moment should not work, no. but it completely does, and that is like a perfect microcosm of, of Resident yeah. Evil Village. Is here is a shit ton of different moments individually should not work collectively works perfectly, mm-hmm. um, and and that's what I love about it so much is that the the creators of this franchise and this entry is you, you touched upon it before about how we we kind of both different resident evil fans but maybe want different things the best thing is they know better than the fans like they are making original stuff and they are one step ahead of all the fans and that's what i love so much about this is that going into it resident evil 7 is one of my all-time favorite games and all i knew was that i didn't want resident evil 7 again but i had no idea what i wanted from a Mm quote-unquote sequel to resident evil 7 and they completely nailed it because it had similar moments but it's not the same scary adventure anymore it's way more open it's way more fun to play like i said before to me this is and i'm speaking to someone who has loved resident evil since the first game this is the most fun resident evil i think um in terms of pure gameplay i had such a blast playing it i think the story is like unbelievably well done like i couldn't believe that not only did they make me give a shit about ethan which i never thought would happen in a million years Mm. but then seven no definitely not and and i think um tying this to the overall lore of resident evil in like really interesting ways that works 
is like crazy. I never expected it to work. And the fact that it does and it all sits now. And my favorite part about the story of this game by an absolute mile is that it retroactively makes Resident Evil 7 even better. Because that story of that game actually meant something in the grand scheme of things. And the stuff that happened in that game meant something going forward. So, yeah, I am literally blown away by this game. I, I, I never expected it to be this good. I, I am absolutely in love with it. And I think it's... There's, I've always loved Resident Evil and have different eras. Like, 3 is my favorite of the old games. I love 4 with a passion. But I think what 7 and now Village has done is, like, they might be my two favorite games because they, they're just so, so wonderful. And they're so different as well. That's what's the great part. And going think, forward, I'm like, I don't thing, know what I want from Resident Evil going forward. I think the thing about... The thing that I find fascinating about Resident Evil as a franchise is, like, there are a few... You know, there aren't many franchises that are, that are that point, like, in age and are still going that strong. And and then there are fewer that reinvent themselves. You know, there are, um, you know, because you think of something like a Super Mario, they're mm. like, there are so many iterations. If, if you, if someone says to me, what's your favorite Mario game? I'm like, well, can we set some ground rules here? Yeah, you know, definitely. Are we talking 2D? Are we talking 3D? Are we talking this? Are we talking that? You know, because, mm. because for me, you, you can't compare you know, the 8-bit, 16-bit era to, to Odyssey Galaxy era, you know, and it's like, you know, they, they've done so well at reinventing themselves and, you know, Zelda's done the same. And, and, you know, Nintendo have done that with their franchises throughout the years. Definitely. For me, I've never really, you know, Grand Theft Auto, yes, it went 2D to 3D and that sort of thing, but it was never like, you know, and I think that's probably one of the ones that's close to it. But even that has kind of just, well, in terms of like reinvention yeah yeah, yeah I, would, I would time, say it has because yeah since gta 3 they've all been the same i would like, say since 3 was the revolution and then since then it's reiteration and i think kind of but at least it had a one step but but kind of there aren't many franchises that can even get that close but resident evil stands on that podium with with the nintendo franchises where yeah. resident evil has reinvented the genre three times because mm. it invented it, it then kicked it in the teeth with four. It then it then dragged itself from death into to the heights of where it is now with seven and eight, and and you know that that's what I love about it. You know, and, and the thing is as well, like when we talk about those core games, you know, there really is only one big miss in in those games. You know, I I really don't think five is a miss. No, five's um, not a miss. No, and and you know six was the only miss, and it was a. It was a terrible miss, but you look at all the other ones and, you know, I think, I think then, um, five, you know, five and kind of zero drop off and, and, but then after that, like pretty much every other one easily could be your favorite game in the franchise, Mm. you know? And, and like I say, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't even want to start to choose my children in the Resident Evil. Yeah, you know, it's world. so hard, which is such a great problem. But yeah, you make mm. a good point because, yeah, Nintendo are the only ones that are able to keep these franchises going mm. because they are they are so fluid that like Zelda and Mario will never be one thing. And yeah, you look at all these other franchises like Halo has tried to reinvent itself. It never works. Like Final Fantasy kind of did this weird online stuff, but then ultimately the only way it's now regained its fans is by just making a remake. And obviously Resident Evil has its remakes, which were great, but for us and for me personally, I'll always be more invested in what is new because they will, they will eventually run out of remakes. They can remake four, they can remake one, but then at a certain point you go, well, you're going to have to make a new, you're gonna have to actually make a new resident evil at some point and 
yeah i don't think it's obviously we're huge fans of it it's my favorite non-nintendo franchise but like i look at gaming as a whole and i haven't seen that reinvention anywhere else and and maybe it hasn't been needed because something like call of duty has always been so good that they don't need to reinvent it similar with gta but like no you haven't always got to reinvent the wheel but i think kind of even even like you said resident evil they um uh they've reinvented remakes because mm. one, two, and three remake are different games to one, two, and three. You know, the the Resident Evil one didn't have the Spencer family stuff like that. It didn't have the Crimson Zombies. It didn't have any of that stuff in it. But they were doing you the know? big budget remakes before anyone else was. Correct. As well. Yeah. You know, like Resident Evil two added so many elements, and three is a different game. Yeah. You know, and so you know, yes, they're remaking their franchises, but and I think that's where four becomes the most problematic because. The, the 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 three that have preceded it they, they've changed things because those games were old and and kind of you know of a time in a place they, they they've brought them into the modern era and so they've kind of you know that's another feather in their cap where they've kind of they're they're reinventing the genre while they're in it but they're also reinventing their old games to bring them current and yeah it's just it's just wild what they're doing mm. and I'm, yeah. I'm just so happy it's in a franchise that i love as much as resident evil oh yeah for sure but yeah just in the moment it's 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 worth enjoying like this Mm. is this is the time to be happy when when seven came out it was so unbelievably amazing and it and i rode that wave for a long time and i will continue to do so with village because i was i was ready to be let down not in like a terrible way like six but i was ready i was ready to play an okay resident evil game um especially after the remake of three disappointed me after the remake of two Mm -hmm. and i expected a similar ish drop off from seven to village and the fact that I'm sitting here as someone who says Resident Evil 7 is one of my all-time favorite games. And I can sit here and tell you right now that Village is better than 7 in many ways. Like, it has a better story. It's more fun to play. It has way better enemy design and variety. Like, there is a lot about Village which trumps 7. And I Mm. never thought I would say that. I still prefer 7 because I think it's a a way more core horror game that is just absolutely terrifying at every front. And so I'll always give it credit for that, as well as reinventing Resident Evil when it desperately needed it. But I think Village builds upon all the things I wanted them to build upon. Like, they literally went down the checklist of, like, here are the things about 7 which can be easily improved upon. And they nailed every single one of them. Um, which is the best part about it? By I think far. as well, though. I um, I found the game less actiony than than you did. I think, whereas I kind of took the horror more out of it. Where, and I think that's just me playing these Resident Evil games. Like I'm so conservative with my ammo. Like the first person, like if I'm not getting a headshot, I'm panicking and then like worrying because I want to preserve my ammo and like um. And so, like, for me, each battle with an enemy is this conservation of ammo and trying to get past them without kind of shooting myself in the foot, so to speak. And, um, like, for me now, having jumped into mercenaries, like, I'm I'm not super into mercenaries. Like, I played, I played through the village levels and kind of unlocked the castle stuff and then was like, mm, I don't know whether I'm going to jump back into that or I might do a second playthrough before I kind of do that again. But, like... Yeah, like mercenaries, like that that over the top action just isn't really like my vibe with it. Like when I was playing through the game, it was it was much more on the survival side still. Even though you know, the, and, and I think that's what the game does well. That like you can you can't play Resident Evil Five and and not see it as action, let alone six. 
mm. and, and and even four like you 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 know it, there's a lot of overt action with it whereas with this like i do think you know you can take a lot of survival horror from it i think the boss battles is where you lose it with this game um and they do become more actiony but other than that like i took a lot of survival horror from it um like i said i was i was conserving ammo and i was kind of worrying about that worrying about health and and kind of you know that worry and and kind of restraint that i put on myself kind of made it you know more scary i think it's 50 50 i think castle village and factory are all pretty scary because they have what mm. you just said it's a lot of enemies around each corner you don't know what's going to happen it's ammo scarcity but every other part of the game is is either you don't fight things like house benavito and and the mm. reservoir where you don't really find anything or it's all out action which is um you know like the heisenberg fight and obviously when you when, when you return to the village and everything's on fire like that's, oh, that's crazy yeah, action yeah. um and and like you say all the boss fights are pretty much you know crazy action as well so yeah i, I think it's a good combination of the two like i yeah definitely. I, don't, I don't get scared by the word action like a lot of people do with resident evil right. because i think it's not it shouldn't be that dirty word um and they're like the end of pretty much every resident evil game is always action-packed like even back yeah. in the day on the playstation the end of two and the end of three they were very action as soon as that countdown timer gets out mm, exactly you're, there was you're a, panicking there was a distinct lack of countdown timer in this yeah that's true but listen um, it's great you gotta save something for the sequels and the dlc i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> I, I miss a countdown timer um we we almost had it as well because we had a bomb yeah didn't have a countdown timer that's all i needed i'm glad they um, got away from those conventions because like every <laughs> every game having the whole like oh let's get on a jet ski and the whole place is going to blow up it's like i'm glad resident evil can be more than that um and I'm definitely not, like you say with I'm the not, <laughs> with the ending the fact that it did actually like for the first time in probably ever or even those early games they were like oh we're actually going to try some emotional beats here with the characters mm. and it really takes you off board and i don't think all of it lands but i definitely think it was effective in what it was trying to do um yeah. and it definitely has me excited for like you said more of the same and i i want to see i want to see sequels there's a there's a very specific storyline which we won't talk about for spoilers but i want to talk to you about at some point regarding some characters where i'm like this could easily be where the sequel is or this could be its own spin-off mm -hmm. game or this could be dlc so there's so many possibilities at the end of this game, I think, which is fantastic. Because post-7, I was like, this is amazing as a one-off Resident Evil game, but I have no idea where they go from this. Yeah. And Village has, like, answered all those questions and just opened up all the possibilities, which is, yeah, it's fantastic, man. It's a great time to be a Resident Evil fan, which is great. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, I've been in a great mood. Obviously, cinema's reopening. We've seen some great movies. We're playing a fantastic video game. And then pretty big movie to talk about next week, <laughs> which has kind of gone under the radar a little <laughs> bit because there's a new entry in Saw, a new entry in my favorite horror franchise is just around the corner. So, um, yeah, you will not want to miss that one next week. That's for sure. Oh, um, but, yeah, that was episode 248. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. I never could, and how could I start that?